Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the One Up Podcast. Uh, today with me is my co-host George Martinez. I'm Milos Bukaritsa, as always, and uh, our guest today is Timothy Stevens, a wonderful director here from the DFW area. Soon releasing his very first feature film based on the Marfa Lights, the mysterious, awesome, ghostly things. Man, that is super cool, bro. Is have has anybody ever done a movie on that before? Like, has the, or are you the first? Because I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I Absolutely, really appreciate man. It. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, and actually, well, let me take this back. Um, someone sent me a message because uh, we, we just started an Indiegogo campaign mm-hmm. to fund uh, post-production for the film. Um, and uh, someone that contributed sent me a private message and said that there's a documentary possibly about mm-hmm. a old lady uh, that's been filming the lights using like an eight millimeter camera. Um, oh my God. I, it might be on Amazon. I don't know. Um, I also heard some bullshit about a uh, Amazon uh, mass purging documentaries off of their uh, oh God. platform. So maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as um, man, as far as like narrative projects, I, maybe it's the first, I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's a cool many. story, man. Yeah, yeah man. I, I've heard a lot about the lights before, but, you know, like seeing it in a movie form, I, I can't wait to see what you do with it, man. That is awesome. But anyway, so how did you um, – also, hi, how are you? I'm sorry. We didn't do that bit. <laughs> also, I mean, yeah. But, again, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. But uh, so how did you get started in the whole film thing, my man? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, man, like a lot of us, um, I have been – trying to make movies uh, since I was uh, a little kid you know um, my uh, parents had this big uh, VHSC camera um, which uh, was kind of like a, uh, a medium format between like the eight millimeter tapes um, and the uh, big VHS you know like full oh, VHS right. <laughs> so it was, it was like somewhere in the middle um, like the battery didn't work and i had to uh, plug it in with an extension cord and like lug it around with me um so i had like a 100 foot extension cord so at least i could get you know <laughs> some distance away from you know like a, a power source um and yeah i mean back then of course it was just you know me and my friends you know uh, creating spoofs of all of our favorite movies um and uh you know sometime around uh late middle school to early high school i really fell in love with horror um and uh I don't what what was the movie um I, I'm sure you guys have seen um the cabinet of Dr. Caligari the yes. uh, the German expressionism film yes. yeah so my mom um she was you know she is a big uh, film nerd and uh, she actually took a film course uh, in college and uh, back then it was just watching a whole bunch of old classic films and so she introduced me to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and that really like blew my mind um <laughs> you know like for me, it was the the moment when I uh, realized that there was a difference between entertainment and art in film. Um, and so I really latched onto that. And uh, so I made my first, uh, it was kind of a uh, avant-garde slasher uh, horror film in the eighth grade uh, <laughs> called Don't Breathe about a, a guy that um, uh, finds his wife cheating on him. So he kills her with a hatchet um yeah it's you know and honestly it's it's not online anywhere but i i watch it sometimes go man like i was like trying stuff back then like um that took me years to get back to that level of like just like willing willingness to experiment so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a cool cool little film but um, did you ever go through that moment where once you get more formal training it's like 
you're almost less creative than before you got any training. Oh yeah, well, like, no, you just overthink absolutely. It, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why I mean, because I was doing like crazy stuff in this and like really cool, um, like uh, uh, dynamic lighting and you know crazy camera moves where I did this like massive zoom out of a guy's eye uh, to reveal <laughs> that it was all in his head. Because of course that's that's the twist, right? Um, and yeah, it wasn't until like maybe my maybe my junior year of like college at film school at UNT uh, in Denton that I, I finally like kind of regained that sense of like experimentation. Um, so yeah, it, it's weird how, how that happens, but uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that was the next step. I went to UNT, um, met a lot of great people that I still collaborate with. And, you know, I've been making shorts for the last, uh, yeah, since 2013, uh, several years. And then uh, the ghost lights is, you know, Finally, you know, I've been trying to get there for a long time, but my first feature <laughs> film uh, endeavor. How long have you uh, been writing this project? Like, when did you start writing it? Yeah, so um, you know, this project was was interesting because I, I was working as a uh, um, as a writer in development for a, a TV show that was kind of like a paranormal investigation show <laughs> that um, it never got off the ground like most pilots do. Um, but part of that was we, uh, I researched um, the heck out of the Marfilites um, and, and really like the legends uh, in, uh, in the entirety of the Big Bend area out in far west Texas. Um, and, you know, so that project didn't work out and that story was just kind of rolling around in my head. And then uh, John Francis McCullough, my co-producer and a co-founder of uh, Spectrograph Films, um, you know, 2020 obviously like wrecked havoc on on everybody, and um, we had some projects that were bigger budgets in the like 700,000 to three million range. Uh, two of them that we had been seeking funding for about a year, and you know, just no one has any cash to to give now. Um, the the small like leads we had just like dried up. You know. Um, not that no one has money, but everybody's like scared. So there, no one's, you know, willing to spend. Um, so we finally just thought, you know, okay, like what can we, um, what can we do ourselves? Uh, so I had a small amount of money in uh, savings and it was basically about $7,000. And I went, okay, how can I make a movie for $7,000? And how quickly can we shoot? Um, I always love personally to shoot in October. Um, that's, you know, the inner uh, goth in me, the the, the emo that never died. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so we, we set that as a goal. And, um, and then I started thinking, okay, that, you know, I did all this cool research on the Marfalites. Why don't I try to take that um, and put it into to the story? Um, and uh, so the, the story just kind of developed out of there. And I, uh, I honestly, I conceived the story in a couple of days and wrote it in a week. It's the fastest I've ever written a, anything, really. I've taken more time to write short films <laughs> before. <laughs> um, oh <my> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with features, like uh, I've written a handful of feature screenplays, maybe six or seven, and I take months to do that usually. Um, but I, I think like, I just feel a lot of urgency with, you know, I, I'm just sick and tired of waiting. Here's a goal. And I somehow access some sort of like superhuman writing mode where I was able to, you know, pound it out. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, a week, maybe a week and a half. It, it was super quick. Um, gotcha. So this was, so you, did, so it was also recently you kind of wrote it, right? Not like a long time ago. 
No, yeah, no, I um, because we set this goal in July of 2020, and we oh, shot. Wow. We I wrote it then. We shot it in October. So that's funny. That's in, that's in stark contrast to uh, our guest that I think is coming on after you, uh, Jorg. He <laughs> he's got this feature that he's had in the works forever, man. Like like years now, and like he's working all these other projects. He's like, oh my god, I've got three scripts. I've got all this, all that, man. I think you need to get with him and tell him, hey man, just just do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh I, I think he, his situation is like he has this project. He's that's like a passion project. He's like, oh, I want to hold on to this and make sure I do it well. But he also talked about doing like a couple other projects he has in the works before doing that one. Maybe. So hopefully he gets those into production soon. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, I, I definitely have those. Uh, you know, I've got at least two feature scripts that um, I w- wouldn't dream of like rushing into production, you know. I, you know, I wouldn't make it for less than like 500 grand um, that, and that would be like bare bones budget. Um, so I certainly have those. It, it's just so happened that the, the story, which is essentially a, a road trip film for the ghost lights, um, lent itself to a really quick write and a really quick filming process as well, you know? Um, and I, ultimately I decided to shoot the thing as well. So that really helped. Um, you know, there's a lot of like, pre-production you can just kind of like skip when you know that you're going to be the person doing it you know um of course, of course you know because yeah. there's so much hey, time spent a... like communicating with the dp and like trying to make sure you're on the same page um yeah i have a question on like the financing your films you don't have to reveal like your sources but what approach do you go into try and find funding for your film because you always hear stories of like the big directors, how they started off. Like Sam Raimi, he just started asking different dentists in his hometown to give him money. <laughs> oh my God, dentists! Yeah. Well, and that, that's still, um, I mean, not 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 in 2020. Unfortunately, the dentists weren't spending money either. But that, that's still a valid method. Um, you know, I, I know a, a guy, really prolific horror filmmaker, uh, that I'm sure you guys have heard of. That that's what he does still. Um, and so we we tried some of that, um, and uh, you know it just it just takes a long time. You know it takes years. Um, and so ultimately, with the ghost lights, I, I just like spent my own money on it. Um, and I, I don't mind saying the uh, we deferred uh, payment for uh, cast and crew primarily. Uh, most everybody uh, is deferred, um, and uh, so our actual production cost was only about six thousand dollars maybe 6.5 something like that um which is you know i mean that's like uh rob rodriguez's first film you know like that's (laughs) just like chump change type stuff um and and, you know when you watch it um i i don't know if you guys have seen the uh the trailer it it is live on facebook and also yeah yeah, it doesn't look like a seven thousand dollar film um and that's primarily due to uh you know really good acting and also just like the backdrop which is the the big wide open spaces of the big bend in west texas so you know it it lends this kind of like uh, expensive look to it um because the the epicness of the landscape you know um if we had spent seven thousand dollars in a house it would look very differently i think you know um just because it you know you you want to spend money on set design at that point our set design was the mountains you know <laughs> i've seen like robert rodriguez talks about that too like it in order to like increase production value, sometimes just the setting around where you're shooting really adds to it. That's why his was unique because it was like set in Mexico with a bunch of colorful buildings. 
uh, as far as like El Marachi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, and you know, as far as like funding for other projects, you know, that's still something I'm trying to figure out. I, I found that a lot of people that I talked to um, wanted, and you know, that goes for like executive producers, people with money, financers, but also uh, distributors who could potentially put up pre-sales for your film. Um, they want to know what other films you've made. Um, and time and time again, I'd be like, look at this badass short that I made. Um, they don't care. You know, uh, it's it's a different thing to produce a, a feature film in their minds. I, I'm not sure, it, practically speaking, it's different. But, um, you know, it's yeah. just doing it for more days in a row, I guess. But uh, they want to see that you made a feature film. So ultimately, it just came down to the fact that I was like, you know, if I'm going to get the big financing, I've got to have a track record. And, uh, you know, the only way to do that is just to make the film, you know. So how did you approach casting for this? I do know your lead actress. I mean, she was actually an editor for this place I interned at. Uh, Katriva really, uh, oh, cool. she's, a, she's yeah. a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you go about casting, man? Just people I knew, you know. Um, you know, there again, when uh, you're you're casting for such a micro-budget project, um, I needed people that were as passionate about making their first feature as I was. Um, you know, it, it's a different thing to go to a seasoned actor and say, hey, do you want to be in my tiny project? I have <laughs> almost no money for you. you know? <laughs> um, versus with your friends and you say, listen, like if we can make this really amazing film and it's successful um, and it makes money, we'll all get paid. You know, um, you know, your friends are willing to to jump into the the fray with you so to speak um and so yeah i just thought okay who are my most talented friends and honestly like um i made a short with katriva um three or four years ago called uh, a visitor and it's this 1920s ghost story with these two girls playing with a ouija board um and uh, you know she gave such an amazing performance i mean she cried at the drop of a, a dime um it was incredible and i i knew at that point that i needed to get her into something else um and uh you know she honestly i wrote the role of alex our our lead in the film for katriva um and then our uh, our other our basically we only have about three people in in the film um the father of alex uh um, his name is arthur is played by uh, john francis mccullough who's my co-producer also an amazing actor and then our our uh, our name actor is actually billy blair who has been in quite a few uh robert, robert rodriguez films like machete films um he was in elite of battle angel he was in both sin city films um he was in Three from Hell, the, the most recent Rob Zombie film. And actually, um, I met him at, do you guys know, it's now uh, kind of reformed, but the the church, the the goth club in Dallas? I've heard of it, but I have yeah. been. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I met Billy almost 10 years ago um, in the church. I was just hanging out and I saw this guy like wearing a top hat, like sitting in a, <laughs> a dark corner like a vampire um he kind of looks like uh, uh something between a vampire and like captain jack sparrow um <laughs> with that long beard um but back then he was actually like uh, uh braiding his beard he had beads in it like jack sparrow um just pretty close to after i think the second machete film um but uh, machete kills and uh anyway so i i just like talked to him and then found out he was an actor and it was one of those things i just like kept in touch with him years later and uh you know when it came when i was looking for the character of this uh um 
this miner who's been living out in this ghost town who's seen you know horrific shit out in the desert he's traumatized um he was just he was the character you know he has a face that says i've seen shit you know <laughs> so, and he gave he gave an amazing performance um he monologues in the film and you know I, it's a um it's a it's a far cry from just holding a machine gun and you know uh i forget who he murders in the first <laughs> machete film it's uh um God, who is it? It's a really famous actor uh, that he just like blows away at the end of the it's film. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, man. Anyway, honestly. yeah, it's. I mean, he's so, he's such a good a good actor, and this was really a uh, opportunity for for him to shine. So, you know, so I think um, if I'm not mistaken, I think I met him at the same time I met you at the Fort Worth Indie Film Showcase. I think in 2016. Oh, cool. I think it was. I remember you did um, what was it called Resurrectionist. I think uh, I think that's where I met you after that movie, and I think I met him in the same same thing because he was also in the same festivals. Man, he's a nice dude. But yeah, man, that movie was awesome. So that's why I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this dude. I'm gonna see what you've been doing. So you know, I've just been you know slowly following your work, IMDb and Facebook stuff like that, just seeing your stuff. And um, uh, is this uh, I gotta ask about this movie, uh, your new movie? Is it because uh, most of your stuff that I've seen is like set in the either Wild West or like older times, like 1920s for the other one? Uh, is this like your most recent setting movie, or have you done anything else that's like I mean, modern it's, setting? It's still a period film because it's 2019. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's a joke. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's my first uh, modern setting, and and really, there's so much cost that goes into creating a period piece. I mean, I, I would only do period pieces if I if I could. Um, but <laughs> it's a uh, you know on a on a feature film scale, it it just raises the cost so much. You know, um, on a short film, it's it's easier for sure if you're only f- making a five six minute piece so but yeah it was i did it reluctantly believe me um i i I, I would (laughs) if i could figure out a way to um to do a cheap period film i would but it's you know the production value is so important on a a period film and you you must spend money there you know costumes everything you know i i won't settle for a zipper in a corset um Nice man. Hey, you got any any fun production stories from your from the set? Anything anything interesting you want to talk about that happened, or any big? I guess I guess what's your uh, favorite memory from set? I guess. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of them. Um, you know, one of the neatest moments was you know the fact that uh, we were filming during COVID, um, and up until that point when we started filming, I mean, I hadn't even seen my producing partner in like. Well, since uh, May of uh, 2020, when, you know, right before the first uh, lockdown uh, happened. Um, So I'd really just been isolated at home. Um, And, you know, so we we all got COVID tested and then we basically just hunkered down together. We we stayed in the same hotel rooms and in the same Airbnbs and just, you know, uh, we didn't see the world um, so that we could be together because it is a, a road trip film is an intimate film where you can't really socially distance, you know, we're in, we're in the car together. Um, um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, like there's a neat moment when we were there in uh, Alpine, uh, which is, uh, you know, really the last uh, kind of vestige of civilization before you're just like into the desert and then Mexico. Um and uh, we're staying at this little cabin out in the, you know, the middle of this beautiful country. And, um, you know, there's almost no light pollution out there. And uh, we were all 
after our 10th day of production uh, we only shot this film in 10 days by the way um and uh we were sitting out under the stars and the big you know the uh, the milky way is is up above us and you know i i think i'm you know smoking even though i, n- I never smoke and i was just i was so <laughs> exhausted and we all looked up and you know it was this surreal moment where like man are we in the middle of a pandemic anymore like here i am hanging out with some of my best friends um you know making dreams happen and uh you know and so that that was a really surreal moment that that was cool that you only get from filmmaking i think that uh, that community um and uh you know another cool story is um we actually saw the real uh ghost lights oh out when we tell. were yeah yeah so that that was crazy man um it's a little preface we we were filming on our ninth day in in alpine um there's this uh beautiful uh place called big hill that's um the the first kind of big hill uh, i guess um <laughs> uh, outside of alpine headed to terlingua and we were filming our our big like tent pole scene um there you know it's it's not quite the climax it's kind of like a um whatever the moment is right before the climax um leading yeah. up to it um and so that was that took a long time to film and we only had about 15 20 minutes left before the sun was going down we had one last scene that we needed to get um actually in marfa um along highway 67 um we just needed like a little bit of like rim of light around the perimeter um you know uh just so that we could get a little bit better exposure um yeah and so we're rushing and in in rushing i forget to take the uh, uh prop license plates off of the picture car um <laughs> and i'm just hoping that no one notices you know and i'm i'm speeding too obviously because it's about a 20 minute drive to marfa from where we were um and and that's how much time we had before sunset so so we're headed that way and lo and behold i get pulled over by uh, a state trooper um who just takes a sweet ass time like uh <laughs> going through everything because i mean I, and i get it like they there's a lot of drug trafficking that happens around there and like fake license plates is like you know an alarm for him i'm sure but gotcha. um he ends up giving us a warning that's fine but by the time we reach uh marfa it's pitch black and the scene is done like we can't film anything at that point um and I, I'm so like pissed at this point. Like I, I'm sure I, you know, uh, said some choice words. I stepped out of the car and I, I was wearing this because uh, I actually play a character in the film too, uh, Man in Black agent. So I'm wearing <laughs> this like old fashioned fedora and I take and just throw it off into the desert. I don't even fucking care like where it lands, you know. Um, and uh, so Katriva gets out and she lights up a cigarette and she looks out over the desert and goes, "Hey, uh, hey Timothy, what's what's that over there?" And I look out over the uh, the Mitchell Flats, which is this uh, portion of the desert where for 150 years the uh, uh, actual ghost lights, the Marfa lights, have been seen. Um, and I look, and there's this one little dot of orange light. Um, and at first, I, I think, well, you know, it's a ranch out there. It's someone's like floodlight, right? Um, and so we uh, we keep watching, and then uh, suddenly it starts to kind of like drift, just like this. And then a couple of minutes later, there becomes two lights, and they're both kind of going like this, making these kind of like uh, horizontal figure eight um, movements. And then suddenly there's three, and then suddenly there's four, and you know like uh, it almost looks like 
what you classically think of when you think of like a ufo and you're seeing like a rim of lights yeah. around a saucer yeah um and we're going okay like the we're watching the marvel lights like this is it um no doubt uh, and then just to like drive it home and this is you know through all my research i knew what to expect um those four lights split off different directions and just start dancing independently around making huge like i would say football size football field size sweeps out over the desert and it's hard to know how far away they were um because it it depends on how like big they are i suppose um if i had to guess it'd be like two to five miles away um and you know so there's some of them they're making like vertical figure eights and there's another one that's doing like little curly cues and then there's another that's just kind of going wherever the hell it wants to um, we watched them for 30 minutes doing this craziness until they all sucked back together and became four and became three, became two, and then one, and then it flickered off into, into the dark. Um, it, it was crazy, man. And, you know, it, it's one of those moments where, um, you know, rarely do you see something that you know has no explanation um because so, so you know a lot of people say they're he headlights um and what what kind of headlights do that no it's um some people say swamp gas that's like the classic like uh um <laughs> cop-out explanation um that doesn't work because they're they're you know uh they're not pockets of gas uh out in the middle of the desert lighting up and if they did you would see it like that it'd be gone you know um so i have no idea dude um and it, it was um you know, I, I was telling you, I was so angry. I was so like, uh, just dead exhausted from shooting these long ass days. Um, and, you know, by the time it flickered away into the darkness, um, uh, it was all gone. We were just like, you know, the magic of filmmaking had, had returned. And <laughs> it was it was cool. And like, you know, I was like, that's amazing. Once in a lifetime experience there. Um, and the cool thing yeah, is, man, is you, that the Marvel... If you didn't get pulled over, you know, if you didn't get pulled over, you would have never seen that, man. So, no, yeah. And it was I a just sign, was recently. Man. There it yeah, is. It there a, it is. Yeah, yeah I was just recently thinking about that. Um, yeah. You know, it was... And we ended up not needing the scene either. Um, oh. <laughs> in, in fact, it, you know, like, I think it's actually a better film without the scene that we missed. So... Is the Marfalites doing us a favor, you know? <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah, last day of the shoot, last day everything is going down, and then you finally see exactly what you wanted to see, man. That is, that's poetic, man. That, yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. For real. So yeah. what's next, man? I know you said right moment you're crowdfunding to get this feature uh, edited and, I mean, to do all the effects. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, fortunately, editing is uh, one thing in post-production that I no, can do competently. Yeah. <laughs> so it is edited. We picture locked um, maybe three weeks ago. And uh, what we have left is that we're doing an Indiegogo campaign to raise about $15,000 for color, uh, sound mixing, original score, and special effects. Uh, and because it is a, a sci-fi film, special effects is pretty important. Um, yes. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at. We've got we're almost halfway there um, as wow. far as like the time left. We're only at twenty five percent as of today. Okay. Probably by the time this airs, we'll we'll be further down the road than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just can't, you know we need all the help we can get. But we've got really cool perks like we're giving away props uh, in the film. Um, uh, probably our coolest perk is let's see if I've got it here somewhere give me a sec 
okay i'm back <laughs> so um <laughs> this is the the actual uh 70s tape recorder that we used in the uh in the film and nice. what we're going to be doing is that i'm going to take some of these old vintage tapes and i'm going to make this is the prop that we used um i'm going mm -hmm. to make them look exactly like this and we're going to record um all of the interview scenes to those tapes almost like a podcast except on cassette tapes um, yes <laughs> because what, what what you see in the film is that uh alex uh comes home after the death of her her father and she discovers in his now empty house this cassette tape um that on it is interviews that her father did with uh billy blair's character mario uh back in the 70s about his experience seeing these lights um and so those are the flashback scenes so we're basically going to take all those flashback scenes and just dub them to tapes um and you know i'm probably going to use just like the shittiest recorder that i can just so that it has <laughs> I, I may even use this one although i i don't want to wear it out but um uh just so it has that kind of like stressed garbled almost uh so that when you have it, it almost feels like a piece of evidence you know it uh, actually was made in the 70s yeah 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 so that yeah that should be really cool. cool and there won't be any music in it it's just going to be the mm -hmm. uh the dialogue tracks so that's awesome uh so after this finishes do, do you know um uh do you expect when the when the actual release is going to be do you have any any expectations for that well so our you know here here's what i'm betting on um and you know this is to be determined on a lot of levels is uh film festivals opening back up again yeah um, and I, I'm thinking uh, because this is a genre project, you know, sci-fi horror that, um, you know, most of those happen September to October, November, um, is that by that time, it's going to be uh, enough people have the vaccine and, you know, like uh, just the rules will have relaxed just a little bit so that in-person, you know, uh, film festivals will be a thing again. I'm not a fan of virtual film festivals personally. No. Um, and so our, uh, right now I'm racing for the uh, Fantastic Fest deadline, uh, which of course is in Austin put on by Alamo Drafthouse. Um, and as far as what I can tell, they seem to be wanting to do an in-person element this year. Um, and that the deadline is in uh, April. So, so we're just racing for that, trying to get it done. And then, then of course, we'll, we'll do a film festival circuit and then see if we can get distribution through that. Um, I do have some connections with a few distributors that, you know, um, once it's out, we're going to send them a copy just to see what they think. Um, that's always an option. And, uh, you know, if all those films will self uh, distribute through Amazon, but I, um, I'm confident that we'll be able to get a distributor. Um, it's just, you know, it's that long game of like, you don't want to take maybe the first one that bites because uh, it might not be the best, you know? Of course, so. of course yeah. Well, I don't so, know. That, uh, that's also a new game to me too. I, I know about <laughs> all of that theoretically. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see, see how it actually shakes out. Uh, so what's next after after uh, Morpha after sorry after Ghost Lights releases? Uh, what's the next project you're working on? Do you have anything planned? Um, well, I mean, I have um, the feature uh, screenplay that I was trying to produce prior to the Ghost Lights that just didn't really shake out because of uh, 2020. Um, and uh, that one, it's still kind of under wraps right now. So I, I don't want to say a whole lot, um, except that it is a, uh, it's another modern piece, which I, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll, I'll do it. It's, it's easier, um, <laughs> but it's more expensive. And it's basically an uh, occult 
uh horror thriller um by a cult i don't mean like typical like uh you know blood in the middle of a pentagram summon a demon i mean like um like ceremonial magic and uh summoning ancient uh powers and the real horror that uh happens whenever you dive into that kind of uh darkness <laughs> um so yeah it's it's a really cool project that i'm i'm really excited about and it's essentially a uh, uh a, a woman trying to summon a ancient god in order to accomplish uh something that uh she wants um so i guess that, that's basically as, as much as i'll i'll say there it's dark gotcha. as fuck it's probably the darkest film i've ever written i it's a there's a scene i wrote that i actually went oh god after i was done right <laughs> what's wrong with me <laughs> yeah no oh believe me dude i was like where did it because i you know sometimes you're writing you know exactly where you're going and then suddenly yeah. like you surprise yourself and i, I was writing it's actually a um like a uh a sex scene that took a, a turn and i was like oh no where did that come from <laughs> and so i took a break and came back the next day i was like well it belongs so i guess we're gonna leave that there so um man i i, I would love to tell you more about that but it's one of those things i want to make sure that we don't like let the cat out of the bag too soon um man i can't wait to see it it sounds sounds interesting as fuck yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean so that's the next plan is just trying to get uh funding for that and i i think um you know, as far as Spectrograph goes, we actually have another feature film in production right now uh, that John Francis yeah. McCullough is uh, heading. And it's actually a action comedy with lots of like uh, kung fu and firefights and stuff. And that's not really my bag. Um, uh, but that's not something it is, I would love. <laughs> it is. It is cool. It's a lot of fun. And, and so I'm producing that. It's it's mainly his his creative baby, and he's also the mm -hmm. lead in that. Um, and we'll we'll be making an announcement probably in the next couple of months about that. Um, but because that is an action film, takes so much uh, to produce. We've been kind of only doing it on the weekends here and there. So um, that one, you know. Uh, is not a 10 day shoot it's it's a legit 30 to 40 day shoot uh, except that we've had to spread it out over a long time so gotcha the how how's um the planning going like whenever you do a feature like do you try to get as many days as possible or are you limited depending on budget yeah i mean uh, budget is is everything you know we uh for the ghost lights we we basically looked at um you know, okay, I had about 7,000 to spend. Um, how far will that go? Um, and, you know, and, and so I, I am big on budgeting, you know, I'm big on planning. Um, you know, that's not something you rush. And so, you know, we, uh, we laid out a, um, a schedule. Um, and I think I probably did a normal schedule to begin with just to look at. So about 18 to 20 days, uh, roughly five pages a day. And, um, and that was too expensive. So I cut it back and then I cut it back again. And by the time I actually fit the, the budget, it was about 10 days, um, which, you know, um, thankfully it kind of worked out because a big portion of the ghost lights is the flashback interview scenes. And I knew that if we really shot it in the right way, we ended up shooting it uh, multicam, um, that we could knock that out in a single day. Um, and so we, that was like, I've never done that many pages in a day. It was like 18 pages in a day. Um, crazy, you know, like, you know, like 
five is like you know a full day so um <laughs> but but that really had had to do with you know the way we decided to shoot it but also the talent of the actors you know just being able to put the performance out there and i also just didn't storyboard that day i, I just thought okay it's it's two people at a table let's just get creative in the moment shoot it like a documentary almost like move around you know handheld um let's not stress about angles on that day. And that, that was the main way we were able to do that. If we hadn't, if I had really strenuously storyboarded that scene, like I did the rest of the film, it would have been a much longer, we probably would have taken three days to, to shoot that. Um, and then I would have blown my budget and probably put the film on a credit card, which wouldn't have been good. <laughs> so how different would the movie be? Let's say you, if you had triple the budget, let's say you had about $20,000 or $30,000. How different? Would the film look very different, do you think? And just a quick answer, I guess. Um, I don't think so, honestly. Nice. Okay, you know, I mean, good. we might have, uh, you know, put a little bit more into lighting, you know. Um, as it stood, we really depended on natural light a lot for this. Gotcha. Especially for outdoor scenes, makes sense. Yeah, but but I mean, the majority of the film is in a car and in the desert, yeah. so I I don't know that it would have looked a whole lot different, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it really was. It was a film crafted for the the money we had, you know. So um, if you put more money into it, I don't know what would have been different exactly. Maybe I would have used a nicer camera. I don't know. But we shot on a Blackmagic Pocket uh, 4K, and it nice. looks beautiful. So um, I don't know what else we would have used, honestly. <laughs> You know, honestly, I'm thinking about buying that, buying one of those, and uh, seeing, you know, seeing you shoot a whole feature on it, kind of basically just immense it for me that uh, my my tax money, I'm gonna use that to uh, pay for it. Yeah, man, <laughs> it's such a it's such a good camera, and you know the um, the noise level is pretty low. Um, one thing I would say though is that um, because uh, it is a horror film, we shot in a lot of dark environments. Um, mm -hmm pushing the exposure on that in post um you you do start to kind of see the sensor uh in the image so we're definitely going to have to like do some some noise reduction in, in da vinci and um i'm thinking of even adding like a 35 millimeter like film grain to it to just help with that um so that that's my only like it's not really a complaint because it's still a really nice image. It's just like some like higher end cameras, uh, when you push the exposure, it kind of just looks like film grain. Um, and unfortunately <laughs> the black magic camera, it, it, it looks more digital, the, the harder you push the exposure. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, something you can work with. Fortunately, DaVinci has some great tools for, uh, for dealing with noise. So. Gotcha. Well, Tim, man, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. Finding out about your new, uh, your first feature is, uh, I mean, very enlightening because I haven't shot a feature yet. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it, playing with the idea here and there. And, you know, just hearing people's experiences about their first features is, uh, you know, definitely helping out with me. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, you know, I would say that uh, it is... Um... You don't know how it's going to be until you do it. Um, and, uh, you know, our longest day was like um, 18 hours. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so and you just have to, uh, everybody has to know what you're in for at that point. You know, like if you're shooting a micro budget feature, you've just got to like accept that at some point you're going to go, what the hell am I doing to myself? <laughs> well, we recently had a friend that we interviewed he pushed himself right to the limit where he ended up in the hospital for like heart palpitations. Oh, just man, taking that's, a bunch of energy good. drinks or whatever good. he could to stay up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. Um, 
you know, uh, and I, I kind of reached a moment like that on that day that was like 18 hours. Um, and, you know, I, I reached a point where I pulled my co-producer aside, John Francis, and was like, dude, how are you, how are you guys doing? Am, you know, uh, am I pushing you too far? Um, and he, he looked at me and go, dude, like, we're all living the dream right now. Um, this is, this is fun. And honestly, like the pressure, the pressure tends to be just on the producer and director. You know, we're the ones that are going, oh my God, this is so awful. How are we going to survive? You know, while everybody else, you know, if they're really in for it and, uh, you know, having, uh, having a great time and, you know, just living the adventure, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, because the weight of the world doesn't seem to be on them, they're the ones that, you know, are probably okay. Um, but it's always good. I, I mean, as a director, I always want to check in with people because um, I was really feeling it at that point. I wanted to make sure I wasn't like dragging the rest of the team down. Um, so it's special situations like that on most feature films, like, you know, uh, there's a big burden to make sure that, you know, you're, you're not pushing uh, too too hard um and i i think we all were just kind of like we had this sort of like team mentality um where we're we're all in it you know let's let's make this happen no matter what um so um yeah it was it's good nobody got sick nobody got covid that that was uh a big <laughs> relief as, as well but um yeah you know if um if you guys want to um, check out the uh, Indiegogo campaign. It's, you can just search the ghost lights on Indiegogo. And then um, our website, spectrographfilms.com. And then we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and it's S-P-E-C-T-R-O-G-R-A-P-H films. We'll also make sure to put it on our social media so people can find it, whoever listens to our podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely, yeah, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful project. I, like I said, I cannot wait to see it. Anyways, man, Tim, thank you so much for doing an interview with us, my man. You have been amazing. Like I said, hearing from you has been great. George, thank you for co-hosting. And guys, uh, do you have anything else you want to plug real quick, or was that all your plug-in? Do you have anything else? Uh, um, to no, just just help, help us out. We, uh, we're we're a little behind on our goal right now we need we need some some love to to get there so so um, yeah guys indiegogo look up the ghost lights the tim stevens first feature film it is like i said it's amazing i've already backed it uh probably gonna do another round on my next paycheck honestly because like i said i just love the idea of it it's so wonderful so anyways like i said team thank you so much george thank you so much adrian thank you for man of the camel man you're the real mvp of this thing right here and guys uh, you will hear us next week thank you so much see ya